I want to clarify something before we get started. Landon told me this morning that the reason I had the attention of all the kids was I put the fear of a bear coming out. That was hey, the hey, it's scripture, brother. You know, <laughs> and y'all be disrespectful. Y'all start seeing preachers praying for bears. It could happen. I'm just saying. It's happened before. <laughs> when you said this morning, but I'm not going to pray for that, I thought in the back of his mind, he's going, but don't try me. Don't. That's why if it would have been me, I would have, don't try me, man. Call down bears. <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing this afternoon? Man, y'all look like y'all are doing good. Um, we are so close to being at the end of this study. We have tonight and then next Sunday night, and y'all will be done with me. So I just ask, as we kind of roll through the end of this book, that y'all would be in prayer for me, that God would just continue moving in us as a church. That uh, I just ask that y'all would be in prayer for me. Um, when God called me to preach a couple of years back, I had two big ideas in mind. One was Ecclesiastes, check. The second was Romans, check. So um, I'm not 100% sure on what's next after Romans, and I'm good with that. Uh, I'm good kind of being in this place where I'm like, Lord, let's just see where you have me go next in your word. Um, I know for sure I'm going to be in preparation for uh, preaching in Honduras in November. Um, so I would ask that y'all would be in prayer with me over that. There's six months or so before that comes. Um, last month, um, or last year, excuse me, there was three months worth of at least an hour a day preparation to try to preach in Spanish there. Um, so I'm going to up that. There's going to be six months worth of probably an hour a day worth of preparation before we go down this time. Um, we've got some some kind of, I think, big hopes for what we're going to do when we go this time um there's a couple of couple of us that are that are when we go down we're hoping to lead some of the older boys in a study through the character of god so i ask that y'all be in prayer with us over that um if you want to get involved with that in any way again um there's six months but um the sooner you get on board, the better we can kind of plug you in to figure out, hey, how can you help on, on this team? So I just want to keep that open. I'll probably announce it along the way um, uh, over and over. Probably as ticket prices are low right now, so you'll probably hear me saying a lot about it because if you go, I want you to go um, and, and save as much money as you can in the process. So um, plane tickets are ridiculously cheap compared to what they normally are. Um, so be in prayer over that if you're thinking about going. Another thing, while I'm kind of on this subject before we get into the message tonight, um, we're going to be talking tonight specifically about Paul's ambitions. He would mentioned he had an ambition to preach uh, to unreached people. We covered that last week. We're going to be getting into the, to the direct purpose that he had decided to write to the Roman church tonight. Um, we're going to talk about uh, our own plans, where we as a church, kind of two broad categories we tend to fall into. Um, that would be, I'm going to go ahead and put them out there for you, uh, goers. Paul was definitely a goer in that regard. That's the person who's going, whose feet are hitting the ground in these places. And then senders. He was writing the, the book of Romans, the letter to the Roman church. Um, he was writing this to them. Um, 
in, in, in a way to kind of, hey, I'm coming to see you guys soon. I've been held up. We're going to see him talking about that a little bit. I've been held up along the way doing God's work. Um, but I'm coming soon, and I'm hoping that after we spend some time and we're encouraged that you'll send me on my way to Spain. So uh, Paul is a goer, and he was, he was trying to call the Roman church there to be senders, to be a people who would send him uh, to do the work of God. So I say that to say, if you can't go, and I don't want you to think that you can't go, like, um, like I would rather you think, like, like, let's find out where I fit. I don't want everybody to immediately default to, to I, f- I want to be a sender. Um, but there is, a, there is a, a category of those who send, and I want us as a church to fall into one of those two categories. I want us to be the kind of people who will go, or the kind of people who are looking for opportunities to send messengers into the harvest, and then I want us to also be uh, aware that we are in the places that God has placed us today, goers, right? When you go tomorrow or when you go from here you're going into the world right so we can simultaneously be goers in a sense and and senders as well um, specifically tonight we're going to be talking about goers in in the sense that Paul was talking about going to people who have yet to hear the gospel and needing the support of a people who that was their heart as well though they were not all going they wanted they wanted the gospel to spread, right? And we as believers, that should be our hope. So um, if you can't go, ask, pray, seek, and how you can sin, right? I, wanted, I, I know already, and this is the last couple of years that we've gone, this has just been the case, like that there are people whose hearts are in the going, that it's not always that easy to get the resources together to go, Right? Do you think with as many people as we have here that that should be an issue for anyone? Not at all. Not at all. It should not be an issue for anyone who is concerned over the spread of the Gospels amongst the nations. And that's the kind of people that that we should be as followers of Christ. So uh, just keep that in mind as we kind of uh, talk about some of these ideas tonight. Uh, But I want us to open up in prayer Before we dig into the text tonight, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15. We're going to be starting in verse 22, and we're going to be finishing out uh, chapter 15. Next week, be ready to run through the text. We're going to be be covering uh, all of chapter 16 next week, uh, pulling out three kind of big ideas from that, and and that will be uh, our uh, wrap-up for the book of Romans. So I want to say thank you. Uh, to everyone who's been a part of this study, uh, I pray that God's blessed you through it. I pray that He continues to bless us all uh, as we spend time in His Word tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this day, for Your many wonderful blessings in life. You are so holy. You are so worthy of the praise of every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth, Lord. Uh, the fact that there are billions of people and are world today that remain unreached should sicken us as believers. Lord, I, I stand here and I think of uh, the, the, the wonder that it is that I can know you and that I can know what you have done for me uh, through the work, the finished work of Christ on the cross and the hope that that brings in the midst of the darkest of days, we as believers can rejoice 
Lord, we can rejoice. And it is sickening. It is sickening to know that such a great blessing has been poured out on such a great number of people and we have become comfortable. We have become a people so concerned over the comforts and cares of this world that we have lost sight of the reason that we remain here. Um, As we continue through this book, Lord, though uh, it would seem to me that my time in this book is is drawing to an end uh, in presenting it to your people here at Mount Carmel, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue working in the hearts of your people, conforming us into the likeness of Christ so that we had hearts and passions for the things that He had a heart for, the things that He has passions for. Lord, I pray that You would seal my lips tonight that I speak nothing of myself, but that Your Word would speak for itself uh, that you would use me, that you would that you would use us as a church, and I thank you for what you have done already. I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do, uh, Lord, into the future. Uh, your plans cannot fail, and I thank you, Lord. As I look at the great task ahead of us as a church, reaching the the unreached, and I, and, and I see how, how it seems so oftentimes that we are more interested in lesser things, lesser callings on our lives. I think, what a great task it is for so few people, Lord. And, and in this moment, I pray, rise up. Rise up those to send into the harvest. R- raise them up from amongst us. Uh, raise them up from amongst the American church. Uh, raise them up from your church uh, worldwide that we would that we would go to complete this task that you set us that you set us to Lord you are sure to do it I, I pray that you would be so gracious to us yet again that, that we here would not miss out on that uh, opportunity to serve you in reaching out uh, to the world it's in Christ's name and for his glory amen all right Romans chapter 15. Starting in verse, um, the new text is going to be starting in verse 22. But I want us to back up two verses uh, into verse, the kind of first uh, sentence of verse uh, 20 there. Um, And we're going to use that to kind of uh, launch into the new text tonight. So we're going to start reading again where we kind of left off. Last week in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, uh, Paul says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not to where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Before we dig into the new text tonight, is that... Is that prophetic word from the Old Testament that still remains incomplete today going to fail? Will every nation be reached for Christ, for God's glory? And I want us to think about this. Could it, could it fail to occur? Could it be 
that God said this hopeful and that there was going to be a lazy people that came up that could not be influenced by His Word, by His Holy Spirit. And then that commission failed to occur. No. No. And if we think that, then we failed to grasp some of the big things that we've learned about who God is and what He's doing throughout the course of this study is that God's Word cannot fail. Cannot fail. So when He says uh, that those who have never been told of Him will see, those who have never heard will understand. When we look in other places in Scripture that says, gathered around the throne of God at the end of days, there will be a people represented from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. What can we rest assured will happen? That it will be completed. Right? And I wonder, as I, as I think about these big things and I look around us, can, can, we, can we be real and say that, that when we think about these things, how many of you, when you think about the task at hand, and I've talked to Dad a little bit about this over the last week, when you looked at that paper last week and you see how big that is, how many of you look at that and be like, where do you even start here? Right? Like, where do you even start here? How many of us, when we see that, it seems so big that we think it's just easy enough just to say, well, I will do nothing at all. Right? Sometimes the, the work before us seems so great that it seems easier for us to just let someone else do it. Right? Am, am, I, am I wrong in this? Am I wrong in this? So I want to tell us, we're going to look tonight at Paul's ambitions, Paul's plans to go to Spain. And and we're going to talk a little bit about towards the end how our plans don't always go as as we see them going. And and to to really get the full uh, brunt of this, you would need to go and read through the book of Acts. I would say go and read Acts 20 to the end. Right, you could do it in a, you could do it in an afternoon of just solid reading. When you look at that, when you read that, what I want you to read as you're looking into that is I want you to see that these are the real life events of the man who was at that moment penning the words of this book, and I want you to see that his heart and his plans were for Spain, and the man dies in Rome. He gets to Rome, but it is not in the way that he's asking them to pray. As we dig into the text today, he gets to Rome in chains. And he spends time there. And life didn't always go as he had hoped that it would. That he was planning, even in the text that we're going to read tonight, that it would. And that can seem overwhelming. Right? When we think about Paul and the life that he lived and the man that he was and that he had holy, righteous and, and, and big, great God dreams to make it to Spain and he doesn't make it there. And we can say, well, if he can fail in that, well, I, surely I would, could fail in what I'm doing. And then I look and as I'm reading this, as I'm preparing for the sermon tonight, and I'm trying to kind of get my mind wrapped around all of this. I think about my own self my own life, my own goals. I want to I want to say for a moment in that I want to think about the godly goals, those things that I could feel like I could line up with Paul's, like these big dreams, big hopes. And I think to myself, like, it's easy to look at this and to be like, what if I do all of this? What if I put all of this effort in and it just falls short? Is that a possibility for me? 
Could my plans fail? Could my hopes, even in the preparation of this, because a lot of those plans and hopes were for you all, for this place, for what would come out of this study. And I think about that, and I think, we've gotten this far. I think, can it fail in any way? Can it fail anyway? And I look at Paul here, and I, I look at the hopes that he had to go to Spain, and I look at what actually happened to him towards the end of his life, and I'm, it, you can look at that, and you can be a little overwhelmed by it. Because life doesn't always go as we hope and plan. And that can be absolutely frightening. And then I think over church history, and I think of the effect that this book that was penned by a man with hopes and dreams to go to a place that he likely never stepped foot. Is Spain unreached today? Was it on that list? Somebody went. And I think that, that God can use those ambitions because though Paul's plans to reach Spain may have failed, God's plans did not, could not fail. And He penned this book. And we get here and we think about these things. And we think about what Scripture and how time and time again over church history, this book, this word penned by this man who did not make it to Spain, but somebody did. How it's had an effect that you as Protestant believers, the Reformation was fired off because of the truths found in this book. And then I think about that. And I try to put that into perspectives about how Paul's plans can fail, how mine and your plans can fail, and then I'm hopeful that God's plans in no way can ever fall short. So when he says something like, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand that God's word in that cannot fail. It cannot fail. And that encourages me. That encourages me. And I hope that that encourages you all, uh, let's, let's dig in now to the new text. This is the reason I've so often been hindered from coming to you. And what was that reason? What was the reason that he has been hindered so often in the past that he could not go to Rome? When, we, when you go to Romans chapter 1, if you were to go back and review, you could see that Paul has longed to see these people. Right? He's longed to come and visit them, but he has been hindered. What has he been hindered by? Preaching the gospel. He's been hindered by doing God's work from going to a place that he's longed to go. And I, as I read that, as I, as I think about this, this is the reason I've so often been hindered from coming to you. I, I, I ask myself, can I use that same kind of thing? Can I say that same kind of thing? Can you, as followers of Christ in this church, can we say that we've been hindered from doing things because we've been so busy doing God's work? Oh, so, so often times, how, how true is it that it's the opposite? That we've been hindered from doing God's work because we've been so busy doing things that are unimportant things. And then I, I, I consider this, and, and I say to myself, oh, that I could be like this. Oh, that my life could match that pattern. That that truth could be said of me. That this is the reason that I've been so hindered from coming to you. That we could be hindered because we're busy about God's work. Is that not a, a wonderful thing to stretch for 
as a church? Should we not be stretching ourselves towards that? That our hindrances are less worldly and more heavenly. Let us, let us pursue after that. But now, but now, since I no longer have room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. Let's, let's look at a couple of things as we dig through this verse. I want us to, to pull out some truths so that we can start separating what Paul's trying to, to say in this. So the first part of verse 23, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. But now, since I no longer have room for work in these regions, what is he talking about? These are the places that he's been so busy preaching God's Word, teaching God's people, that he's been hindered in going to, to be with the Roman church here. And he says this about them, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. I want to ask a question. Was every single person reached in those regions? Was everyone there a follower of Christ? Then how can Paul say his work is done? As I stand and I read that, I think, how in the world can Paul, a preacher of the gospel, say that he had completed his work in these regions? Does that not stand out as strange to you all? Yeah, so he's been planting seeds. He's done what God had led him to do. And I want us to see, as we look into this, and, and I, I, sometimes I, I want to say, people who are preachers, teachers, leaders within the church, we have sometimes a problem that we we feel like if we want it done right, what? we got to do it all ourselves. We want to take that whole task on so I can do, I want it to be done right. Amen. And what Paul is explaining, exposing here is that Paul himself understands that the whole work is not his work. He knows his place. He knows his calling. So that he can say, my work there's done. There's work to be done there. Amen? When Paul, like, don't, we want to say, don't be so bold as to think that you've got everything covered there. But he wasn't thinking that. He was thinking rightly. He knew his place. He knew his calling in life. So that when he looked at the churches there, planted there by him, he knew that his work there was done. He did not leave those churches in such a way as that when he left, there was a vacuum where there was no one there to continue the work. Right? Which so oftentimes it seems, when we look at the way that, that churches work here, it seems that oftentimes when the leader is, is out, what happens? You have an implosion because the church is not in a place that it can stand on its own. It was resting instead on, on a superhero of some sorts. Right? But that's not the way that churches are supposed to work. Right? Kip is not a superhero. Kip cannot do everything himself. It is not Kip's responsibility to reach his own feet on the soul of every unreached people group on the planet. It's not. It's not. Nor is it mine, nor any of the other preachers that are here to reach everyone. We are supposed to do as we've been called. 
We're supposed to do it diligently and wholeheartedly where we're at in the moment. But it is not our task to complete alone. But he could not go lest there were other men that were there when he left. And if you look at the way that Paul lives, and we're going to get into this a little bit more next week when we get there. When you look at the way that Paul lives his life, the way that he's so focused on the individual, so focused on the people that he's, that he's doing life with. When, you, when, when we kind of dig into that next week, it will be no wonder to us why he can leave these churches confidently knowing that they are going to go on and that they are going to continue evangelizing uh, in their local context, right? Because when, when the gospel takes root and when men and women are called up in service to, to, to God in those contexts, it, it stays, it thrives. Uh, there's some important things we're going to dig into next week to keep it staying, to keep it uh, thriving. But Paul here tells us uh, that his that he has no longer no longer has any work for the uh, work in these regions. And I want us, as we start thinking about, to understand in that to understand in that that we have purposes that we've been called to. Right? Uh, I don't want you to fail. If you are here tonight, uh, let, me, let me say it this way. If you are here tonight, I want you to understand that we are a body of believers. And that you have a part to play in this church. I've said this multiple times. That in the body of Christ, there are no individual parts that have no use. Right, So that if there is one of you here who is not using your gifts that God has given you to be of service to your brothers and sisters in Christ here, then you are in sin in need of repentance. Repent of that. Be useful. You all have a role to play. It's not Kip's. It's not mine. You have your role. Please, as I draw to an end of this book, I feel that I just need to petition you to be useful. You have a place. And if you do not know where it is, seek to find that place. Be useful. Be useful. Because we need you. We need you. The body of Christ needs you. You've been called to this. Be useful. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Verse, 20, verse 24, I hope to see you in passing. So he's longed for so many years to see them, and he knows that when he goes, that his stay there is not permanent. Because he knows the role that he fits into. He knows the calling that God's placed on his life. He has a passion for the unreached peoples of the world. He's going to Spain, right? So, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. What is Paul? As I go, he says, as I go to Spain. He is a goer, clearly. He is a goer. Look at the way that he's lived, that he lives his life. He is a goer. And to be helped on my journey there by you. Who's he talking to? He talking, he's talking to the church there. 
who will send him. I'm going to come. As if, again, go back and look at how he's, 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 in, he's enjoying the thought of meeting them, of, of seeing these people that he's heard so much about. Uh, when you, again, look in the early chapters of Romans when you, when you see him kind of greeting and, and saying, hey, he longs to spend time with them, that they can encourage him, that he can be an encourager to them, knowing the whole time where he's called, where he's going, Right? He's planning, hoping on them being ascending kind of people when he gets there. He wants them to send him. And he's laying out this letter, the book of Romans, so that when he gets there, there's no question in their mind what gospel he's going to be preaching when he lands on the other side. Right? When his feet do hit the dust... And wherever God leads him. He doesn't want Rome, who he hopes to send them, to be in any question at all about what he's going to be preaching when he gets there. But he's hoping the whole time that he's going to be helped on his journey there by them. He says, there by you. And once I've enjoyed your company for a while, once I've enjoyed your company for a while, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints... For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. This text that we're kind of going through here tonight. So, Paul, I want, I want you to see that, 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 and as I read this, I think that, that's, that's subtle, Paul. That's subtle. So he's telling them that I want you to send me. I want you to help me along the way there. And then what is he talking about? And, and so oftentimes we get uncomfortable when money starts talk, being talked about in church. So he's like, I hope that you send me there. And he's like, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. Right? What's he going to be doing? He's going to be bringing resources, material blessings to the saints. There at Jerusalem, and who is it from? From other churches. Right? Some churches who are generous. Right? So he's, he's got this forward eye towards Spain. He's like, Rome, I'm coming to you. I hope that you can help me there. But in the moment, at the moment here, there are other churches who are generous that are leading me with this gift now that I'm taking to Jerusalem, right? So he's kind of planting that seed, the idea that how, how do, do, are believers responsible for the well-being of other believers, church? Are we responsible for the well-being of one another? If we're doing church as church is meant to be done, then we are responsible for one another. We are obligated as we will see in the text here. And I want to make a distinction. When we, when we talk about money, so oftentimes it's so easy for us when we talk about money, when we talk about giving, when we talk about charitability, we often think about stuff, right? We often think about like this, right? Like this, this building or, or, or other buildings that we can, can build, right? So oftentimes we get so overwhelmed with the thought of stuff that many among us are sick of stuff clouding the vision of the church, right? It's not. When, when we talk about giving to God, it is not so that we can have more stuff here. And if you think if you think for a moment, when we as a church collect things, that it's for stuff, then I'm sorry. 
Like, I want to say I'm sorry because somewhere along the way, the church as a whole has not made it clear to you that the reason that we give is not so that we can have stuff. Because when we, when we think like that, then for me to give is for you all to have more stuff than me. Because for me to give at all means that's less that I can have on my own. And that's the way oftentimes we think about our giving. Is I'm having to give. So that what? So what? I'm sweating right here. Right now. It's hot in here. Can we not crank the air up a little bit? We start thinking so selfishly in our minds. Because we think, I tithe in this place. And we can't get the air up any higher than this. You can't be at my comfort level. It's not about that. Let us not have our minds so shifted in the way that we use our money and give our money that we think it's about that. There are people in the church hungry. There are people in the church in need. There are people in the church who would go and they can't. There are people who would be reached by them and they won't if we don't. I'm so hopeful that we will. So hopeful that we will. So we need to reshape the way that we think about money. We need to reshape the way that we think as a church about how we use our money. Because I want to tell you that you could leave behind as a people. You could, you're, our church, no matter how much money y'all spend, is probably not going to be bigger than Gardendale's church. It's probably not going to be bigger than Brook Hills. Y'all ain't, that got, y'all ain't got that kind of money. And if y'all focus on things like that, then y'all leave behind a building that will have roofs leaking that you'll never be able to patch. You'll leave behind a building that nobody will feel in a generation. It's not about that. Please, let us reshape the way that we think about how we give. Who is He giving to? When Paul, and this is one of the reasons that when I read this text myself, so oftentimes I have this thing in mind, and I want to be honest with you, I have to fight this urge myself. I'm like, Paul, quit begging. I do. I read this, and so oftentimes I've looked at what he's, I'm like, quit begging, man. Quit begging. I've got that kind of mentality because what do I see? What do I see? I see churches after churches that are just building up, building. That are building up, not people, not people. And then when we talk about giving, when we talk about tithes and offerings, and the outside world hears that, they think about guys buying jets, they think about bigger and bigger houses, they think about preachers wanting to build up wealth. Like CEOs. And they're like, it's no different than anything else except they get to write their taxes off for doing that. I think, 
How, how shameful is that of us that that's been what's become of our giving? When instead, when it's spoken of us giving and us being charitable, it should be spoken of like what we see here. He's taking aid to them. He owes that aid to them. These churches owe it to them. I want to tell you, church, you owe it to the world to do whatever you can do by whatever means necessary to bless them because you have been blessed and your eternity is blessed. You owe grace. You owe charitability because you are blessed people. And I don't think, I don't think you got any problem with that at all when we see people fed, people clothed people reached with the gospel because we are blessed people church we are a blessed people and we can change more than you think you can change right i wish some of you would step out into some of these places where one of your dollar is worth 20 of theirs where the poorest among us they look at you when you step off the plane like you were made of money because you come from America. And you stand here and you think, how many of you think you probably own maybe borderline poverty, right? You are not. You are not. And together, together, with the right vision, with the right thoughts, with the right heart to be charitable, to aid other believers, you, you, here in Cordova, Alabama, can change someone's world. You can change their world. You can change their world. Don't think that you can't. Please don't think that you can't. Don't, don't, don't think too little of the blessings that God has, has given you. At present... However, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Wow, if whenever the, if, if whenever the world looked at the church and they saw the church's charitability, they, they saw the church's giving, if instead of them thinking about pastors with super jets, that they were thinking about churches feeding the poor, how that would change the perspective, right? Lord, that we could be that. They were, look, look, look at verse 27, for they were pleased to do it, right? And, and I hope, I hope that this is not coming off as a sermon that is just, just railing over you. Because that's not the heart that I have. That's not the tone that I have. Like this is not like a, a tithing sermon in, in any way. This is a sermon that I want us to think about what God has blessed us with. I want us to talk about how we can use that to bless others. To take care of the poor. I want that to be something that concerns us. Right? I want that to be something that we think about. When we, th- when we see these plates Past, I want that to be the thought on our minds. Is who will eat because I give? Who will eat because I give? Who will be clothed because I give? 
Who will have another day in this world because I give? That's what I want this, this, this to be about. Right? I'm not begging you for your money because I don't think that Paul had to beg here. I don't think that the heart of a believer that's been saved and changed by the blood of Christ has to be begged to show grace. I don't think that you have to. I think that your eyes have to be open to the need. Church, there's a need. There is a need. And I think that knowing that, the heart of a believer, washed by the blood of Christ, gives. And they're pleased to do it. For they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. Why? Why? For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing. Right? We talked about last week when they used the word Gentiles, the, the nations. So these churches were part of the churches of the nations. They were reached with the gospel. And, and they're like, this gospel has been sent to us. And where did it start from? It started from there. I'm so grateful that this good news has been shared with me. How can I help? What can I do? Here I am, Lord, send me, is the heart of the, that's been changed by grace. That is what it says. When we look in Scripture at this account, here I am, Lord, send me. He's been cleansed. Stoned from the altar, placed on his, on his lips, these unclean lips. And what is his natural response? What is the response that doesn't take begging or coercing? Who will go for us? Here I am. Here I am. Send me. I'll go. I'll go. Why? Because you understand the grace that has been given to you. When the weight of that grace weighs down on us, the natural response, the natural response is to go and to sin. To go and to sin without question. Without question. They owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Verse 28. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected. So when his task is done, now Paul is, is looking forward. Paul's dreams, his hopes, he's placing it out there for them. This whole letter leading up to these ideas... I will leave for Spain by way of you. Does he make it to Spain? No. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. How does he come? Bound in chains. Life doesn't always go as we plan it. I'm, man, I'm standing here today in front of you because life didn't go as I planned it. And I'm not talking about I hit rock bottom, church. Right? I'm not talking I got broke and then I needed something from God. Right? right that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I was doing it at work. Sharing the gospel at work. A friend of mine, three and a half years. Pouring the gospel into him, showing him how we do things in the profession that I'm in the whole time, every opportunity that I get sharing the gospel with him, he leaves, goes somewhere else, 
We stay in touch. He's not a believer at that point in time. Y'all have heard the story. He gets married. He becomes a believer. He and his wife visit Honduras. They invite mom, me and my wife to go. We go while I'm in Honduras. God tells me, you're going to be a preacher. I did not plan that. Life does not always go as we plan it to go. Paul, he ends up in Rome. Not in the way that he thought that he was going to end up in Rome. Not going where he thought when he was writing this book that he was going. Life doesn't always go the way that we plan it. That's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing, church. It's going as God has planned it. All the way to the end. All the way till we stand at His feet. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. What is He asking them to pray for? For safety, protection. What's, what's, what's this? That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Do they accept the gift that he brings? Yeah. Does he get out of it unscathed? No. So we pray, and we set off in a path, and we look at this task before us, and it is a large, huge, enormous task. Billions of people. Billions of people, church. That's huge. That's, that's the kind of huge that I stand here thinking about it. And I'm saying, if you lined all of them up in front of me, given the length of my life, I could not share the gospel with every single one. Even if they were lined up. I'm, I'm long-winded, but a billion people is a billion people. Right? If I'm like doing this in the cliff-noted version, still ain't got enough time. Will God's plan fail? Will we go? Where do we go? Somewhere. So we need to be going somewhere. And like I said last week, I don't know how it all works out, right? I just told you that I'm standing here and that wasn't part of the plan, right? But we go. We set our eyes forward knowing that God's plan will succeed. We make the best decisions along the way. Together, we do more than if we just sit here and do nothing. So I'm not saying I know where each and every one of you individually should go or how we get there. But what I'm saying is that the, is that the gospel working out in our lives does not look like a bunch of people sitting around on comfortable pews. And that's all that we're known for. That is, that is not how the gospel plays out in the heart of believers. Some action will be taking place. Verse 31, 
that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Next week we'll finish up this book in chapter 16. Uh, we're going to cover the whole thing. Like I say, we'll, we'll pull out from it three big ideas. I ask that you would... Uh, be in prayer for me over that as I prepare, um, as I prepare to uh, to kind of wrap up this book. That I would do justice to this uh, to this last chapter, um, and that that God's Holy Spirit would continue working in us through this. Let us let us pray in closing out tonight. Lord, I thank you for this day, for your many wonderful blessings. Uh, you are holy. You are worthy. You are deserving of the praise of every lip that is on the face of this earth today, and the fact that there are those who have never heard you, how can we expect them to praise you if they have never heard of you? Lord, send us somewhere. Lord, I do not know where. I do not know how. Lord, sometimes it feels like I'm just stumbling over this thing as I go. Lord, sometimes... I find myself in that place where I say this task is so big it would be easier just to just to, to to sit by and do nothing because it seems like that would be less trouble than doing something and failing at it. And and then I consider the context and the writing of the book of Romans, Lord, and that is amazing. Lord, Paul's plan was Spain. Your plan was tens of thousands of follow-up Pauls. Stir in the heart of your people today. Raise up among us a generation of men and women willing to go. And as their church, give us hearts to send them out. Lord, by the working of your Holy Spirit, this will be done. Because if it is only I standing here, no one will be moved by it. Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would pour it out once again upon us. For your name's sake. It's in Christ's name. For his glory.